Hello, and you're listening to The Seventh Reel. This week, Daughters of Darkness, a 1971 film directed by Harry Kummel, and Near Dark, a 1987 film directed by Catherine Bigelow. Yusuf, this was your pick for this week, Spooktober. What compelled you? It's uh, the season, the spooky season. The spooky season. <laughs> so Why vampires? Like, uh, Honestly, I, th- I just wanted to watch that Daughter of Darkness one. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and I regret it. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't like, well, did you, did you like either of these films? I, I looked near dark, but mm-hmm. like in a, in a more like a kind of just fun, classic action movie sort of thing. But uh, what did you guys think of them? I found... Um, things to enjoy in both of them although I will have to say for Daughters of Darkness I wish it went further it has giallo violence blood right like the blood looks very syrupy but there just wasn't enough of it um, for it to like actually land an impact for it to be like oh shocking or like fun Near Dark was it's a classic right it's a cult classic so it's it's I think it's really great to finally get to see it Um, people keep talking about Bill Paxton in it and I completely understand why now he's really charming Michelle what did you think um I quite liked I thought they were right then I read that Nia Doc was I think supposed to be a western but then it was at the Mm -hmm. time when like westerns no one wanted to make a western because they like made too many they wouldn't sell anymore so they just made it vampires uh, so it's like a vampire western. The West, a lot of the western vibes certainly carry through, I think, mm. in like the way these characters mm. dress, the uh, the American, the rugged American landscape, and the showdown at the end felt like a kind of a western showdown. Mm. What I found interesting about both of these films is that they are they both try to skirt around the subject of being a vampire movie. Like in Near Dark, they never mm. say that they're vampires. And in Daughters of Darkness, they have this whole like kind of meta spiel about like, are you a vampire? Are you not? What actually sustains us? Um, I thought that was kind of funny. And also made me realize that the whole like this whole idea of like subverting a vampire story has been an old shtick. I don't know what like I always thought it was like kind of new and progressive to do that with like stuff like Only Lovers Left Alive. Um, but I was like, oh, OK, it's been like people have been doing this since like the beginning of the 70s. OK. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I feel like uh, the idea of immortality is is like the hook there. Like um, even at near dark, like the little boy and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that. 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 That's sort of where where the focus is more mm-hmm. or less on both of these films. It's not like about like you know Transylvania or no. whatever. So, so I think it's more about like, um, about like the curse of what what it means to be a vampire mm-hmm. rather than just vampires. Because like both films deal with the idea that uh, sex and lust is like integral to the vampire mm-hmm. experience, even more so in Dawn of Darkness, where it's like the entire thing. That's the yeah. only reason why they're even doing this. Um, I think Daughters of Darkness has mo- more going on thematically, especially in regards to male and female power structures, or just dominance and submissive, like the mother 
Did you see that coming? I thought that was fascinating, and they never dwell on it again. Yeah, yeah, that was an interesting、uh, like thing. Actually, I I couldn't make sense of it. Like, I think it's supposed to be a parallel to the、uh, vampire and her thrall, because there's there's the vampire and then there's the vampire's thrall, right? So in his case, like it's just a different power structure. It's well the same power structure, but just under different contexts. He's in a masochistic dominant homosexual relationship with his older, uh, older richer man who I guess supplies him with wealth, and that's his mother, right? And that's his master, and he in turn wants to seek control by dominating his new young supple wife. So, <laughs> if you're considering. Dracula's like the ultimate vampire story. A lot, there's a lot of like homoerotic subtext going、mm. on in that because because he was friends with Oscar Wilde in real life, the Bram Stoker. Really? Yeah. So、um, a lot of people think he was gay as well, and then obviously with the Dracula and Harker characters, there's like they're quite close at some points. Is the sexy vampire,、mm. but it's not. No one really knows if he was gay, but he tried to like distance himself very much from his male friendships. I think around like the time Oscar Wilde was on trial, so. Oh, that's that's sad. Yeah, so、mm. it's got a history in like gayness, <laughs> <laughs> and、mm. also anti-Semitism. So that's fun. Oh. <laughs> Oh yeah, Did, Yusuf. Were you aware that the、uh, the countess that in the Daughters of Darkness is based on a actual historical figure who did、oh, murder、no. a lot of young women under the pre like not pre the this delusion that it will like drinking their blood will make her young like that's an actual thing、mm. um, that's an actual person、oh, which、yeah. I thought was fascinating. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. I、um, mean, the length she would、mm. go to to <laughs> try to stay young. Mm-hmm. Uh, But uh, I mean, they're totally different movies.、Um, mm. As、uh, I just, I just keep thinking about it, like in terms of、uh, what what the viewing experience was like、mm-hmm. for me. It was just、uh, very odd, like、uh, because Near Dark was such a more like a commercial kind、mm. of. Very straightforward action movie, whereas the other one was sort of like more of a, I don't know, just it's not even like a horror film. It was more、no. like、um, it's a psychosexual drama, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Because、um, they don't even drink blood till like the very very end.、Um, <laughs> I just thought it was very funny how the way they killed the guy was so contrived. Like they had to break the dish, and then the dish has to slip.、Yeah. I'm like,、oh, it's just gonna be easier to do this.、Um, yeah. But I, in Near Dark,、uh, I wouldn't. I would say it's like a very straightforward action movie because they a lot of times it still has that art house like trademark of characters just wandering around and getting themselves into situation. It becomes a much more like I think straightforward action movie towards the end once the、uh, the the sister gets kidnapped. I think that's when the kind of movie kind of fell apart a little bit for me because it became a little bit more like conventional. I was like, I kind of enjoy this like American Western like a drama about just these like loners who's like you can read into the ideas like are if 
the original vampire allegory is like um, anti-Semitism or homosexual homosexuality. What is it saying? What is this one about? Is it? I think AIDS might be a pretty close parallel to what was going on at the time with Near Dark, like this disease, um, this, all the stuff about the blood. I thought that was kind of maybe that was what they were going for. Maybe. You know what it reminded me of was um, yeah. Steve I haven't seen Golden it. Pony Boy thing. But uh, I I, yes, I will, yeah, I I can get that. Yeah, so so I, that that's kind of more mm -hmm. where I thought it was coming from. It was like sort of about uh, escaping, mm -hmm. you know, the the life and mm -hmm. that you're kind of like just sentenced to, and. Um, running away yeah i didn't think of it in those terms at all like i just thought it was like an adventure but yeah i like the near dark for like the reverse uh, vampire romance a little bit it feels a bit like twilight it might be actually a lot of twilight it's the there's the star-crossed lovers although i will have to say i didn't quite buy the central romance it didn't seem like the actors eh, like it could be sexier i just like the other one, Dark Darkness, that's a lot sexier than this one, but no. I thought Near Dark was a bit cheesy sometimes. You know, like when she's got the ice cream and he's like, can I have a bite? And she's like, bite. <laughs> <laughs> Laying on thick. Hmm. Oh, I do like that line when she's looking up at the stars. It's like, I've been, I will be there. Like, she's like they've been here this, like, this long. I will be here this long. This, like, this, this not really foreshadowing as much as it's just completely spelling it out for you but i like that little parrot like little analogy bill paxton was amazing in, in near dark such energy um he was so he's so cool in this because he was such like a coward in aliens i mean other films like he kind of plays like a more snively kind of guy but in here he's just so badass um love the idea the shootout what a wonderful subversion on like oh the, usually you see the bullet holes and it's just like it looks cool but now it becomes an actual danger to them because that's where the light is like shining through and you can see it burn through them so cool wonderful ideas oh and the soundtrack for both of these films i quite enjoyed even though um mm. daughters of darkness became very repetitive <laughs> very quickly it's like oh this you you re quickly realize there isn't that much not that much is gonna really happen in this movie because um, it's a, a Italian film made in 1971. So it was Belgium. Belgium, Belgium. It's was really, it dubbed? I don't yeah, think it so. Is it? I didn't notice the dub. Yeah, I didn't notice was. the dub. I guess because they are all like they all speak English. Pretty, I'm pretty sure they all speak English. Like um, the the guy is American. The the wife is uh, Quebecois. So I'm guessing she speaks English. And uh, well, she's the countess is Lebanese-born French, but I guess that, she sounds great. Um, actually, um, Daughters of Darkness didn't get very gory until the very, very last like minute when like her body gets impaled and then set on fire. <laughs> that was it got goofy so quickly. Um, also, in the Near Dark, where I guess if they stay under the sun for long enough, they ex explode. That was insane. That was insane. When a kid blew up, I, it was very funny. I wasn't expecting that. Um, interesting takes on the vampire mythos. 
Oh, one last, I want to add one more thing. I love all of the outfits in the Daughters of Darkness. Everybody's outfits, wonderful. Um, it's, it captures the era, the, the gloomy, the kind of gloomy hotel, loved it. Like all this, I love all the artistic touches in it. Story, not so much, but there's a lot there visually that I thought was pretty great. All right, shall we take a break? Let's do it. Okay. right up and rate these films up. Seven Beatles. Who wants to go first? I shall go first then. Um, <laughs> I want to give... Um, <laughs> that's kind of hard because both these films... I enjoy Daughters of Darkness a little bit more visually. Um, so I'm going to give it four stars and Near Dark three. I think both... I can see why Near Dark is a cult classic. It certainly won me over to Catherine Bigelow. I actually really want to watch more of her films now. Haven't seen Point Break yet. Need to get to it. Yeah. Well, I'll do the opposite. I'm going to do four for Near Dark, three for Daughter of Darkness. Only just because some certain aspects of it were pretty clumsy. Like when he was like, that Pierre character was like, but you visited before. <laughs> do you get it? Do you get it? How do you? Yeah. <laughs> And that but, useless yeah. t- uh, policeman uh, character still. that just served zero purpose. Mm-hmm. In yeah, was what the was point? the point? Um, they forgot about it. She just ran him off the road. She didn't even kill him. She just ran him off the road. <laughs> so dumb. Mm-hmm. Michelle? I think I agree with you, Sif. Mm-hmm. I, I just forgot Daughter of Darkness yeah. faster. Mm. Alright. Well, okay. Well, that. Brings us to what we have watched this week. Yusuf, what have you watched this week? Well, I'm curious about what you guys actually watched. All right, I'll talk about the first thing that, that is fresh on my mind. Hi. We watched a horror film in, cine- in the cinemas called Barbarian, and it's excellent. Oh, so, so I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I don't think it's like oh. amazing, like mind blowing, but as I think it's a first time, like official feature date, like first, like first, first time filmmaker doing a feature. Um, fantastic like it feels like it's done yeah. by somebody who knows exactly what they're doing uh, compared to that smile movie which is apparently making a lot more money this is a lot better at like both handling the themes that it actually wants to tackle and combining that with the story it's you know how like mm. you get out the fun part watching in the audience is like you're laughing one second and then getting kind of scared the next and getting worried or worried and, like this is a, this is, yeah. does that perfectly mm-hmm. Um, Justin Long, so funny, oh. so great. Um, yeah, well, I'll, I think you'll enjoy it. You said I, I, I highly recommend it. No way. Okay, I'm very. It's gonna be on HBO Max this. soon, so like it'll be up on stream. Okay. Mm. okay. Well, what was the uh, other thing? And we watched Triangle of Sadness by what's his name? Ruben Ostlund. Yeah. Yeah, which was so good. Mm-hmm. It was just so funny and. It like it was really long, but like yeah. it didn't feel that long in the cinema. I think maybe outside it might feel a bit long, mm. but it was fun and a real like really interesting way of like looking at power dynamics mm-hmm. and subverting them, and lots of different things at once. Mm. It's very cool. Mm-hmm. Deserved the Pont d'Or. I think it deserved. Mm. It. it was very yeah, yeah great. 
it, you know, it's a sign of like a good, like very good filmmakers. Like when it looks beautiful, it's excellently shot, but it doesn't call attention to itself. It's like how Fincher movies always look fantastic, but it's never about like his cinematography. It's just there to supplement and like lead mm. to the story. This is kind of, it kind of feels the same. Very funny. Woody Harrelson is on the poster. He is on every trailer, but he is barely in it. <laughs> he's like the biggest day. Really? He showed up for a weekend. Yeah. Uh, but he's still very good. I still thought he was excellent. Yeah. Well, there was like a, a quote <laughs> match against, uh, what was it? He was quoting Marx. And yeah, he has a scene where he's the captain. So Woody Harrelson's the captain and he meets like a Russian oligarch at dinner. So they're quote. So he's like quoting Marx's quotes at the Russian oligarch and the Russian oligarch is quoting capital, like Western capitalist quotes back at him. And they like have a Googling quote all of them. And they're Googling them and looking at it at their phone <laughs> and reading it to each other. Very funny. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. It's about so many things really at once, right? Yeah. Like in terms of inequality, there's inequality in like it starts out being kind of centered around the fashion world, and it expands and expands and expands, and um, you 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 it, mm. it twists and swerves. You kind of don't know where the plot is going to go because it genuinely is surprising where the plot goes. Um, and I can't say that about many movies these days, mm. where I genuinely mm. genuinely do not know what's going to happen next. Um, yeah, great. Mm. So what have you watched, Yusuf? Well, I hate to disappoint you guys. I didn't watch anything as interesting as that. I've just been, like, going through old uh, movies mm-hmm. that I like. What's one of them? Well, I watched this one called True Grit. Which one? Coen's? <laughs> no, the, the Coen. Nice. I, of course. I, I, couldn't. I love it very much. What do you think upon revisiting? It was, it's a lot better than I remember. That's what I, uh, I mean, maybe it's just because I don't, I, I'm not like a Western person, but but just like checking it out again, I found the highlights of it. Beautifully written. And uh, I really love the dialogue in the film. Like, it's like, it feels like, like the Coen brothers like did their research on how people actually talk back then, but still gave it their own spin to make it sound interesting and fun and engaging without feeling like you're constantly playing catch up. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And the no, music. My favorite Kurtur Burrell score. Yeah, so all these combinations of Christian hymns that kind of weaves in and out. Big thing. All right. Oh, yeah. Well, that moves us to our recommendations for this week. Who wants to start? I have one lined up. Mm. All right. I have one too. Only lovers. (laughs) 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 Yeah, I think Mm -hmm. that's uh, another one where it takes the vampire thing and Mm -hmm. be like, okay, let's explore the consequences of that. Mm, Mine's Nosferatu. The Herzog one? Either that Mm -hmm. one or the. I forgot the name, but the silent one. Mm -hmm. Either are great. Because I don't like the Dracula. Story. I didn't like the novel either, but mm-hmm. for some reason I like Nosferatu. He looks scarier. He just looks cooler and scarier mm. in general than Dracula. And doesn't need to be mm. remade. Robert Eggers is doing it. Oh, I wish him luck. Um, my recommendation is my favorite vampire film. It's called A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. It is a Iranian-U.S. Uh, collaboration. Mm shot in LA pretending to be Iran, which I thought was so funny. Uh, also, like, Only Lovers Left Alive is kind of an exploration on the, the mythos and the consequences. 
and it kind of feels like a western at times too. Uh, so it kind of that's where the near that's where I thought um, it's like oh it's a lot of near dark. It takes a lot of concept like good the good parts from that and kind of gives it its own twist. And I thoroughly enjoy it. Love the soundtrack. Yeah, I guess that brings us to what we will be watching next week. We will only be watching one film next week. And given the fact that it's also I guess a kind of a horror movie, I thought it was could be quite appropriate. We're watching Blonde. Yes, the, the, the big Twitter drama movie that everyone is up in arms about. So give it a watch if you can get through it, and we'll talk about it in detail. Yes? <laughs> okay. I'm gonna put you all through it. Uh, and, and, well, um, that, that, that kind of wraps it up for today. Keep it real, stay safe, and we'll see you all next week. Bye-bye. The Seventh Reel is hosted by Arvin Huang, Michelle Hassel, and Yusuf El-Bashir. Logo by Joe Conti. Our ad break music is composed by Yusuf Sui Lim. And our outro music is composed by Yahya El-Bashir. Thanks for listening.